0: Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Rugby Union Podcast with your host Mark Kennedy. Joined this week by Liam Hartings.
1: Quick Mark, we're still on cloud nine over that win of the weekend against the Stormers.
0: Again, lessons were learned by Munster Rugby as they went to the Cape and got a result against the Stormers. So we'll have a review of that. We'll also look at Connacht Rugby's 38-19 win over the Cardiff. Also, Leinster Rugby won late in Johannesburg against the Lions... Also, Ulster Rugby with a comprehensive win over Dragons. And there we'll have a preview. And also, we'll get our crystal balls out here, Liam, in terms of predictions on our last eight playoff fixture combinations. Suppose Liam, let's start from the start. Cape Town, Stormers, Munster. Munster victorious, 26-24. And I suppose Munster backs against the ball uh, going into this fixture. But by God, that was a performance to really warm the cockles of the heart.
1: Yeah, it certainly was. Um, I I expected that we'd get the four tries or something, something along the lines but it was the manner of the victory was so sweet. The fact that we were dominating the malls, that we were bossing them at the breakdown, that we had made make serious inroads when we carried, we, we offloaded out of the tackle. Brilliant tries, scored. So just, just a, a very, very good performance. And I suppose, look, the only thing is, maybe two or three of their tries, we kind of gifted them, you know, twice carrying the ball over our own line. I think Hayley was once, and then we had um, fekitoa but that, that was it. I mean, they, they really didn't create anything else in the entire game. So I, I was massively impressed with, with Munster. And again, it kind of proves that we can do it when we get a, a, our scrum right. So we get our front row selected right. When you have two massive guys like Klein and Sneeman to power through in the second row. Arguably when you have Alex Kandel and Clary playing his, his best position at, at seven. Just when all those things align... Munster certainly can perform against any team.
0: I know when we spoke last and two weeks ago, we were a bit disconsolate regarding that Sharks performance. I was a bit critical of the performance. Let's be brutally honest about it. Graham Rountree has been a pains to say that there had been a bit of a retrospective within the Munster camp on how things went in that Sharks game. And I think you've covered an awful lot of the angles here in terms of the lessons learned were definitely applied from Munster Rugby from minute one. I suppose it was a super opening quarter here, Lane. You know, we really did punish the Stormers. Now, the Stormers coming off a very disappointing European Cup exit text Chiefs of Sandy Park. You can maybe factor in a little bit of the logistics in terms of travel. Stormers were slow to get out of the blocks, but very indisciplined as well. But fair play to Munster. Again, very clinical when they got into the red zone. And I mean, looking at the two Baron tries they were very well worked and I think packed to the core here.
1: They were. I mean, look, it's kind of a statement of intent in the very first minute, the way it was. Sneeman took it so clinically, and then Barron with the try, um, so that that was a real start. We I suppose we needed that too, but even, you know, even from the first scrum, we, we were able to hold on our first scrum, there was no pushback there. Snyman was, was a prominent, very prominent, taking the ball to the line and, and actually, again, offloading with his big, big, lanky arms. And, you know, some things I suppose went right for us too, the Stormers at one stage, they had a penalty reversed, for I suppose like it seemed it seemed in the first half that Matt and he was being deliberately targeted or or <laughs> undeliberately targeted every time he, he got the ball, you know. So so that was a penalty reverse and then of course there was a, a a yellow card for another kind of crazy crazy tackle on him. But um yeah I mean and then you know twenty one minutes we had Barron getting his second try and just that sort of start was needed I think by Munster in that game.
0: You know, given how the pack had performed against the Sharks, I think the pack unit would have been hurting after that performance. And again, given the bye week, given the quarterfinals and Champions Cup, they really did come up with front foot forward. I think you know, Simon had to need the games. Uh, to be fair to him, you I mean being trusted against the Sharks, I thought was a very impossible task for the South African international. But I think you can see the body of work here. The more game minutes he's getting, the more prominent he is. You know, such a fantastic. Physicality, you know, in him in terms of all he's all run play. Sean Klein as well, I thought again, unheralded. Again, the work rate again from a second row was just incredible. Jeremy Lockman returns in at loose head. Darren baron as well was very accurate in terms of everything that he did. And also, he had Stephen Archer there as well. So, when you had that front five, and as you said at the start of the podcast, being so cohesive and then. You have obviously Gavin Coombs, Peter O'Mahony was just a complete menace all day, and Alex Kandelin. I think, you know, good things happened, but I suppose we can get into the second quarter. I mean, Stormers really hadn't started. The home support was getting a little bit, dare I say, a little bit frustrated. But I think, to be fair to Munster, there was a few unforced errors, as you've kind of alluded to here. Got the Stormers back into it, and maybe it was a bit of a baptism of fire for Jack Crowley here a little bit. In terms of some unforced errors and being targeted by the first receiver here from the Stormers throughout that second quarter,
1: I still think he, he, he kicked very well, but yeah, he certainly like into in terms of distribution was uh, uh, kind of affected by by that um, pressure that he, that he he was under. But again, you you know when you talk about kind of shooters in the foot a bit that that all back over the line and then immediately afterwards Man Herb <laughs> with a beautiful try <laughs> in the corner, yeah. So that, that kind of certainly got them back into the game. But, yeah, I mean, we we, we had uh, Mahoney, you know, a menace at the line-out, and, and, and in general, you know. I suppose we planned, we a few line-out steals from O'Mahony and then from from Sneyman, And then again, you know, just before half-time, Haley had, had to carry over the ball as well um, to get them back for another try to have it actually level at half time. So for all of our good play and I argue our domination in the first half, we were back to square one, really.
0: Yeah, and again, you could have said on another day, Craig Evans, the match official, could have been going into his pocket for a yellow card, given some persistent penalties from Munster as well. But look, I think the officiating here left a little bit to desire, particularly the incidents and the camera footage of uh, hands-on Peter O'Mahony's face. I mean for me that's a clear red card i don't know what craig evans and tmo are thinking there um uh, it, it felt very kind of dubious uh decision really there uh Liam.
1: yeah yeah look it was it was it was it, again it, it's always like the kind of third man in thing you know the reaction that that's taking taken and and absolutely i mean you you just can't put your hand on on someone else's face like that you miss the same thing as punching in the face to be honest with you isn't it really um and and yeah i thought that he could have seen red for that uh, definitely um, strange decision just to give the, the yellow
0: so I suppose we're going into the, the sheds 12 all at half time Libbeck missing uh, the conversion uh, later so I suppose the key kind of phase here and I think head coach for the Stormers kind of alluded to it post game the third quarter Stormers starting on the front foot but again you have to credit Munster with some keen Lido steals I thought defensive line speed was very abrasive pretty aggressive from Munster and some opportunities were squandered by the Stormers, and I think the Stormers have been left to rue that uh, come the aftermath of this game.
1: Yeah, but again, I I, I was going to be worried about that kind of forty fifth, fifty fifth, or sixty <clears> minute. I was going to be worried about that, <laughs> what stage were what was scored was going to be at that stage, and obviously it's going to be positive for Munster. But look, I mean, things happened there in the in the second half, uh, in, the, in the in the third quarter, where you know at one stage I mean, Leibak kicked and it came back off the post. And um, Kiddenan was clever enough to call for the mark, you know. And um, then we had all, more line-out steals from O'Mahony. Then we had, I suppose, um, the Stormers' maul. Did that, that actually was actually pretty much held up on the on the Stormers' try lines. Th- those were all things that just basically kept us in the game. The day definitely, I think, up the ante in that third quarter. We we kind of held firm, and that was quite crucial. And then yeah. Um, I suppose what was crucial at the end of that, of that quarter was we had daily on the edge uh, scored actually a brilliant try and that really changed the, the course of the game for me.
0: Absolutely. I think as said here, lessons were learned from the Munster camp, particularly on that Sharks third quarter performance. And to be fair, they absorbed an awful lot of what Stormers had to, to throw at them. But that daily try, I mean, Ben Healy's on at this stage and I mean... I thought the Ben Healy pass, the assist, I think, really does set up this try magnificently well. I thought the clinical nature of Munster here, particularly when they got into Stormers territory, I thought mm-hmm. was very pleasing. I would think for the likes of Mike Prendergast, they would have realised that the Stormers would be kind of dominating an awful lot of position and territory and to really to make use of it once they got into the Stormers 22. But, I mean, that was a magnificent pass from Healy. And, I mean, Daly still had plenty to do here. But, again, phenomenal pace from uh, the Cork native. To cross over for the third try, and I mean that was a key score, uh, as you say, Liam.
1: Because I mean, it's been, we were we were absorbing all, all that uh, pressure before that, and the, and I think as crucial then it was it was afterwards, you know, you, when the, when you kick off again, and, and you and you don't want to lose points. O'Mahony actually uh, earned us a penalty, like literally directly after again. So again, that was another kick on the corner and and momentum from Munster. But, you know, the, I have to say that the, the strawers did come back. Hitch off, going over for a mall. and uh, again, you know, um, well, what happened? Was it Libbock missed? I, th- I think missed on the day. I think it could have been two kicks from seven from any uh and a lot of them actually occurred in that final quarter, actually, for some reason. That was, I suppose, something crucial happened on the day as well. But uh, yeah, we were lucky enough then to, to get the bonus point with Gavin Coombs going, going over under the posts. And so at that stage then, if worse comes to worse, we were going to have a, a lose a bonus point And a four tries, we, got, we had our two. And I felt that um, we kicked on very well from there into the final 10 minutes, actually.
0: Absolutely. I thought we were the stronger team here, uh, Liam. When the key decisions, key tussles were required, Munster were the ones on top. They look the hungrier side. And to be fair to the Stormers, they've had a magnificent record in the Cape, in their home stadium, two years without losing a home game. So, I mean, this is a statement, you know, from Munster Rugby. I mean, as you say, the Gavin Coombs try, I thought that was a superbly worked try. I mean, the patience of the pack, you know, to really kind of get into position here, and you're not stopping Gavin Coombs from that range. I mean, it was a superb try, and then also Healy's kicking I thought it was just absolutely on point throughout. I mean, yes, Joey Carberry pulled out late due to an injury uh, sustained in training before it. But I mean, that Healy kick from the touchline was absolutely exquisite. And I mean, it's a key decisive score when you consider it's finished up 26 24 because the Stormers come back. I know the Hooter sounds with Nell's second try, but I mean, that's a key kick from the sideline. I mean, that could define. A season here for Munster for that one kick. Absolutely,
1: I mean the guy. I suppose when you're looking for at your ten is to is, is a presence, and, and sometimes it's just not that physical presence. But no, um, when Healy came on, it was noticeable how the game changed even further, and Munster almost went up the gears. And you say, as you said, that his initial impact was was that beautiful pass to get a Daly away, and then as you said, that incredible conversion. For Coombs's try, yeah. Um. So I mean, that that's hugely positive, I guess. Um. And yeah, look, they 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 got a try in the end, the Stormers, but I mean, it was uh quite a comfortable win, really, for Munster in that second half, I thought, and it gives us um a lot of very interesting choices to make, such as Healy potentially starting. You know, um, the next day, or if if not that, starting in a potential quarter final, that certainly has to be looked at at this stage. I did notice that, <laughs> uh, and I was kind of wondering, uh, and, and apparently Archer was actually subbed in the, the 80th minute. Apparently, I didn't really realise that, <laughs> but um. So Archer was on pretty much eighty minutes, and then we had Lock went on for seventy five. So I suppose the point being, I'm not sure how much that Roundtree, who's a guy who you'd respect, that he his knowledge, how much he actually rates the other guys who were on the bench as options that day. So that would be interesting to see in the next two games as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think you've raised a good point there in terms of front row. Obviously there's going to be freshness coming in against the sharks. So I would ultimately think the likes of Dave Kilcoyne definitely at loose head should be getting a significant cameo. I would also say in terms of your tight head prop position, I think Archer and Lockman were their cameos alone were just such an upgrade in terms of our front fight performance. You're probably looking at Salonova area in tight head prop against the sharks. I mean it's required. I mean, Barron is apparently nursing kind of a, a neck injury, but apparently not as serious as first thought. So I think from that perspective, you know, that's I think you'll see freshness there. But I think it, this game for Munster, I think, was penciled in. This was the do or die game. They couldn't go to the previous the next weekend and really be looking for a result. They wanted to take care of business now. And I think, to be fair, gaining five points in this game has definitely secured an awful lot of certainty for Munster next season, I would think in terms of Champions Cup, but also in terms of the URC playoffs, you know, really giving themselves a great position to secure that fifth spot. I mean, if they continue in that fifth spot, it's a potential away trip to Scottsdale against Glasgow Warriors, or if they were to finish sixth, it could be potentially against the Stormers down in the Cape. Again, the third trip down to South Africa is not probably going to be ideal. So I think Munster have set themselves up nicely now to really kind of, Pressure is probably off them to a certain extent going to the Sharks in Durban uh, this weekend.
1: Yeah, certainly not to the extent of uh, uh, it's not do or die against the Sharks really in terms of any sort of point or or, or points will suffice. And um, it's still not quite clear whether finishing say seventh even you know is going to be sufficient to get into Europe next next season. Uh, if say one of the teams from the R C actually ends end up winning the Challenge Cup, but yeah, in terms of this weekend, this, you, you'd have to probably fancy the Bulls against uh, a worn-out Leinster, probably getting over the line. So obviously we have to get we have to get at least a point. And again, I I think the way the way even more so than than the Stormers, the the, the Sharks will gift us lots of opportunities to to score tries, kind of. Um, Particularly from from our back line I can actually see that happening. So one point and then we're 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 almost certainly into fifth spot. And then you know, in terms of what's doable, it certainly is as you point out, it's doable to go to go to Scotstone or, or or if you have to go even to um, to Ravenhill. It's it's well doable to win to win a quarter final there. It's not about the season is very much alive. It's really all the way to the final really is alive.
0: Yeah, I suppose let's get through next next weekend anyway, around 18 anyway, Adlene. But I suppose it's a terrific win. And I mean, we could probably switch then to maybe the contract news within Munster. Uh, announcement that Dan Goggin is departing the province, looking at overseas opportunities, and just confirmed today Sean O'Brien uh, arriving to Munster via extra chiefs. I suppose your thoughts there on those two uh, player movements? Yeah, well, first
1: in Dan Goggin, you know. He's going, to my mind, he's going to a bit of a lower standard of rugby, you know. I mean, he's going to kind of um, a club level in Australia. But I I wish him the best of luck because it, it was, he he didn't really get that much game time during this season. But then they kind of left us in a predicament, obviously, that we had really only had three recognised senior centres. I mean, you know, the the only other centre was potentially, if you call it that, it was uh, Liam Coombs. So, yeah, I mean... Then we were looking immediately for another centre replacement. Sean O'Brien is a guy who has been playing regularly in midfield for Exeter Chiefs. He can play across a number of positions. So I mean, look in that sense, he's a good signing. He'll be competing directly then for for a starting position next season. I know nothing about that. So I'm delighted that he has signed. It it was kind of a, a quite an astute signing really in terms of the players that that were. Uh, available. It certainly means our stock in terms of centre is, is quite looking stronger this next season.
0: Yeah, you throw in Alex Nankivell from the Waikato Chiefs that's moving over to Munster at the end of the season, the off-season. So, I mean, it was important to reinforce particularly that three-quarters line because, as you say, Dan Goggin leaving, Malachi Fikatoa off to Benetton Rugby, Chris Farrell obviously released early from his contract from Munster to France, pursue his playing career so there was a bit of a gap there so I think with Sean O'Brien I think it's a glorious opportunity for him he's very well rated in terms of extra chiefs also with conic rugby up when he was there a few seasons ago and I mean he has versatility he can play 12 13 he can play across the the back three as well so I think he'll embrace that opportunity and I think there's opportunities for Sean O'Brien to really embrace uh stuff but I suppose from Dan Goggin's perspective opportunity knocks you know new New lifestyle, everything else in Australia. So we wish him well. I wonder if we're going to see maybe one or two more reinforcements here, um, reinforcements coming in, particularly towards the end of the season. You know, particularly, I would hope, anyway, front row boys. Anyway, we've kind of spoken at length of that, but maybe we kind of devote that to another time. I suppose we can move to sports ground Galway. Uh, Connacht had a superb 38-19 win over Cardiff Rugby. Again, emotional light in sports ground, but several players departing stage left, including Andy Friend, Kieran Marmion as well. But, I mean, I thought it was a Bundy a Kai, show here from start to finish. And, again, and very much the damage done in that first half when they went 26-7 up.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, look, kind of got it done in the first half, really, you know, to be to give them credit. You could also, I suppose, look at that maybe, I don't know, work card for that that poor as well, you know. It's it's just hard to figure that out, but yeah, I mean, look, Connacht, the the front row was excellent, very very strong in the second row. Halfbacks were were really good, you know. Keelan Blade again was, was absolutely excellent, and as you said, like I mean, my God, Bundyaki, fabulous um, game, and Mac Hansen of course as usual roaming everywhere, trying trying to trying to probe. They they, they play just brilliant rugby. That's that's what that's what kinda do.
0: I think you have to credit Andy Friend, the coaching staff, the players here. You know, at the start of the season, Neem, we were kind of wondering where we would heading, and where was it going to head for Connacht rugby. But I mean, they've won ten of their last fourteen games here, name, and they've given themselves a massive opportunity, even heading into Glasgow Warriors, scotston next weekend for a potential fifth place spot here if the results went their way. I mean. They're playing in form. I mean, as we said, damage done at halftime, 26-7 up. Kilgallen's been very impressive for me for for the cameos that he's basically come into the back three. Very impressive ball carrier. He's open scoring. Tierney Martin, who's highly rated here, in Connacht Rugby, gets the second. And then you had Connor Oliver, who's had an outstanding season for Connacht, you know, with the third try. And then Bundy Akai sets up Mack Hansen for the bonus point before halftime. And I mean... I think we can talk about Cardiff rugby all we want. They had plenty of possession in that second half lane, but again, did an awful lot of issues, particularly in line out and some very much unforced errors here, right on Connick line, knock on central. Yeah. Again, Connick plundered two late tries here. One was a penalty try and Karen Marmion, I think got the biggest cheer of the night with his late try as well. I mean, Tom Young's um, try is fairly academic at the end of the day, so I think it was a pretty comprehensive uh, result here for Connacht Rugby in all facets of play.
1: Yeah, absolutely was as you said. Like you know, they they put a bit of gloss on the end, um, getting that uh, in, in try, but um, super to to see Kieran Marmion actually get a try on his last appearance there in Connacht. He's off to Bristol next season. He's Pretty much been a, a one club man all his career in Connacht, so yeah, tr- tremendous uh, player, and I'm, I'm sure he'll be back in some capacity in the future. Knows about that?
0: Oh, absolutely! Look, I think the the love of the supporters for Kieran Marmion was out; oh, it's there every week that he represents Connacht rugby. But I thought there was particularly poignancy in terms of his cameo uh, last weekend from a player perspective. Yeah, as you say he'll be returning back in some shape or form. You know, he owes the club nothing. But again, it was a pretty emotional farewell. And I suppose for other players here as well, thinking of like Stephen Fitzgerald and thinking about Delahunt as well, who's been released as well. It's, um, you know, it's a, this is the time of year for a professional rugby player, you know, particularly when you're being released or leaving a club. It is an emotional time here with the bonds that you've created. And also Andy Friend kind of moving on. Same with Mossy Lawler, Senecal as well. Uh, the line out uh, forwards coach so it was a kind of emotionally charged atmosphere inside the sports ground uh, last weekend I was at it and to be fair the players really did st- st- stand up and produce a, a very memorable performance uh, I suppose Liam looking at the contract news then you know the news that John Muldoon returns back to the Connacht set up and also news of Scott Vardy uh, arriving as a defensive coach I think, two shrewd acquisitions here from Pete Wilkins and Connacht Rugby, coming into next season.
1: Yes, certainly. I mean, Johnny O'Doon for, for what he's done at Bristol, absolutely. He was, I suppose, it was on the cards. It's, it's still good to actually hear the confirmation. Scott Fardellian, you know, this is a guy who's done it all with, with Australia. who's done it with, with, with Leinster. And he's going to bring all that wealth of experience to Connacht. So, an absolutely excellent signing. And to be fair, you, you could almost say a stronger coaching ticket than, than than this season you know in an overall context and you look you have to be happy with that like you know i mean Connacht for going places this is this is a club which is still i suppose really undervalued really underfunded i suppose you know um in terms of the league for what they've done um under andy friend they've been far more consistent in his five seasons in charge has been hasn't been the yo-yo up and down they pretty much have been in the same position each season so they are absolutely going places. The, the the next thing I guess is to see can they consistently be qualifying for for European Cup and 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 actually then qualifying in the European Cup for for the for playoffs.
0: Well, I think the legacy of Andy Friend is clear. I think the the caliber of player and the caliber of coach coming into this ball club speaks volumes here in terms of the attractiveness of Connacht Rugby to an awful lot of people. From the outside i mean scott verity i don't think has too much coaching experience but what he does bring is a winning mentality as a player and i think that will translate fairly quickly and rub off on the players so i think it's a very astute move here and again i think a season here where again things are moving in the right direction from conic rugby particularly in the sports ground redevelopment the redevelopment of the training facilities everything's kind of pointing here towards a progressive conic rugby brand in general so I think it's exciting times here in Galway. And uh, look, they will go to Scotston, you know, really kind of buoyed up, you know, in great form. And again, they'll just have to kind of focus on their performance, get the win and see how the dice rolls uh, come the end of round 18. But it's a great result here. And I suppose with Cardiff Rugby, again, it's really Welsh shielded or nothing here uh, with themselves and the Ospreys. And they're facing off in round 18, which looks a very tantalisingly great fixture for that well Shield conclusion. I suppose, uh, Liam, the final game that we'll focus in on, I know Ulster Rugby had a comprehensive win over Dragons, and they've really secured a second-place berth in the URC heading into the final round, but I suppose the Leinster Rugby 39-36 win in Johannesburg against the Lions, I thought that was a pretty standout performance, given that Leinster were 15 points down at one stage here, and under the caution, I suppose. Not a lot of media selling bites in terms of Sam Prendergast, but I thought for a squad and management that are over in South Africa, I thought it was a huge performance, particularly in the final quarter, to get a result.
1: Yeah, look, look, I mean, look, it was in some respects the, the Sam Prendergast show, right? But, I mean, you had other guys like Cosgrove coming on. You had Turner at 13, you know, some real excellent players there coming through. Uh, there's, there's definitely no shortage, you know. Uh, but it's it's the fact that they they kept going as you said like you know at one stage they were down quite a number of points, kept going to the end and actually get that penalty, in the last minute to uh, come up with the victory. And again, this is like an entirely second, pro- probably almost like a, a almost like a third third string that Leinster have. Um, and and to beat the the full straight Lions is is a super victory. But I, I suppose look we have to kind of. Uh, Everyone's talking about the the full debut, full Leinster debut for Sam Prendergast and he, he does appear to have everything, the kind of presence as a 20-year-old starting out that special players potentially have, you know, in all facets, just unfazed, brings uh, a kind of physicality in his defence. And then a, 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 an actual incredible cutting edge in his in his attack. And you know, I mean, we were, we were wondering about who's going to replace the Sexton, and we were talking for, for many months and years of Billy Burns and Jack Carty and Joey Carberry. But quite frankly, this lad comes on his first game, and it's like <laughs> he's going to be fast
0: tracked, I think. I think he will be. And I think definitely the start of the season, next season, with Leinster rugby, you're seeing an effect for Rossburn. Like on Frawley, Johnny Sexton. Well, Johnny Sexton will be no longer part of the Rugby setup. But you can see the likes of um, Harry Byrne, I suppose, Sam Prendergast, Terry Thector getting an awful lot of reps during the preseason and during the start of the season. So, I mean, from a Prendergast perspective, he does lose confidence. I mean, what a magnificent season for the young man. I mean, you know, really guided under 20s superbly well from 10. And he kind of showed that kind of presence here, you know, and <laughs> preferably thrown into the Lions' den here, uh, Liam, to the Lions, who really showed some great cameos, you know. I mean, they had five tries on the board here. Van Der Merve, Lombard, you're low, you would Horn, you had a penalty try. So, I mean, on that all that adversity, but Prendergast, again, an awful lot of great signs here, but I think hopefully the media hype can stop with him. <laughs> Just let him focus in on his game now. Just let him develop. You know, he's going to have another tough game here against the Bulls, for sure, uh, next weekend. But again, the signs are very positive here, and uh, he just needs to develop now, really focus in on his game. And I suppose, as I said, Harry Byrne, Charlie Tector as well are going to be vying it uh, for getting that backup berth to Ross Byrne probably next season, you know, when all the lancer players are back. So, But look, it's an impressive cameo. No, no, he can't really mask it anyway. I mean, led by example, his kicking was superb, you know, passing range was on point as well and defensively you know very strong you know very strong young man so I think for Sean O'Brien who's deputising as head coach over in as a rugby I think an awful lot of upside there but I'm looking at Abeladze I think Turner 13 you know <laughs> when you consider the likes of Ring Rose and Henshaw here Turner is an absolute footballer a guy here that next season I thought I was hugely impressed by him Millen and Russell and also Cosgrove as well but I think across Abeladze as well from a proper situation, you know, gets his try, you know, 30 meter run to start proceedings off. Like, I mean, that's a guy here that has incredible upside. I know with the Georgian eligibility rule, but because, I think yeah, I
1: mean, what I will say, Mark, is I think that Abalase has declared for Georgia in terms hmm. of the World Cup, which would make him a um a foreign player. So I'm not sure what his contract situation is going to be in terms of if he's non-Irish qualified, will they will they move him on this season or next even, you know? But yeah, absolutely it's a fabulous talent. And as he's a Turner, you know, we talk about thirteens and again, it's a position where real Ireland are quite treadbare after after Gary Ringlaws, you know. I mean you're thinking who else? James Hume hasn't really stepped up, being honest about it. And um, so next for me would be Anton Freesh, And then absolutely Turner Turner has to be Uh, a guy who will have a great chance uh, in the future as well. And I must say Cosgrove as well. I was very impressed uh, in terms of the full-back berth. Yeah, and look, they have about three or four good players in
0: every position. Absolutely. I think it really did show the depth chart. I think from a South African public and media perspective, they see the potency of this Leinster rugby franchise, you know, to come over an awful lot of, well, all the marquee players literally back in Ireland. And to produce a performance against the Lions. I know Lions will be bitterly disappointed how that last quarter went. Didn't close out the game. Maybe it's a little bit of a trend in terms of the Lions this season. But again, take nothing away from the Leinster rugby performance in altitude for these guys, the French players, to get their opportunity. I think it was a phenomenal result. They remain unbeaten and they travel to Transalt to play the Bulls next weekend. Another great experience for those players. And also Sean O'Brien, who's at the helm at Leinster rugby. So, Look, an awful lot of upside there. I suppose, Liam, there's been key contract news at Dunster as well, the likes of James Ryan, Kaelan Doris, Josh van der Flair as well, locking up long-term contracts. But I suppose Jack Nivenbier's contract news at the weekend, before that Lions fixture, has really kind of um, raised a few eyebrows. But, I mean, a shrewd appointment, I think, for Leinster Rugby to replace Stuart Lancaster. Uh, your thoughts?
1: Yeah, like a, a short appointment. He's going in now, uh, you know, as the Springboks basically head coach. He's going in as as the the second coach, basically, you know, head coach to replace uh, Stuart Lancaster. But effectively, he's the assistant coach to uh, Leo Cullen. That's that's essentially it. Like. So that that'll be interesting to see how he goes. I think he, he certainly is going to be in there for certainly for defensively. I mean, he was defensive coach at Munster. Munster were transformed, quite frankly, under Nean Aber. And then the Springboks at the World Cup again. I mean, that was a lot of that in terms of defensively was absolutely down down to him. So that's clearly one of the one of the, the ways is that the Leinster want to improve their their defense. And also I think that possibly in future years as well come because the South Africans, realistically, it'll be the South Africans that'll be playing in the URC semis and finals and potentially, in even in, in European qualification, uh, knockout games. So that was, certainly would be useful to have Nina Aber on board for that as well. Now, of course, also they have um, this, uh, they have Goodman um, from uh, Canterbury there as well, who's going to be doing some backline and then Sean O'Brien in terms of skills as well so it's yeah it, it's um some some interesting um coaching appointments there for leinster
0: again more shrewd moves from leinster rugby really kind of safeguarding their kind of coaching set up the standards that they set you know stuart lancaster has done an incredible job with leinster rugby in the last few years so again has assisted leo cullen no end now he gets his opportunity to be head coach in racing 92 You know, but again, I have no fear for Leinster. And I think, you know, definitely that um, appointment here of Nibenar, I think is very much uh, an astute one. I think more from a defensive perspective, I think that'll kind of hone in the defensive line speed a little bit more. But also, I would say, as you say yourself, the South African scouting report, particularly on the teams in the URC, particularly, you know, the physicality, how to counteract those South African teams, I think, to have someone with that knowledge and that experience there will be kind of key. So I think exciting times again for Leinster. And I think, you know, ominous enough for the rest of the Irish provinces and the URC that the Leinster Rugby Board have really kind of made these progressive moves again to offset that Stuart Lancaster loss. supposedly can we look at round 18, our final regular season? I know we started all the way back (laughs) in September, October when we're previewing at URC. We're into the regular season uh, finale here. So the fixtures on tap are Stormers versus Benetton, Ulster Rugby versus Edinburgh, Lions versus Zebry, Bulls versus Leinster Rugby, Dragons versus Scarlets, Sharks entertain Munster, Ospreys versus Cardiff, and Glasgow versus Connacht. I suppose... Let's get your reading of the Stormers versus Benetton game here. But who do you fancy on this
1: one? Um, yeah, yeah, I'd have to go with the Stormers to come striking back quite uh, quite strongly, you know. Again, you could see you could see Benetton getting the four tries, you know. <laughs> he always could. But yeah, look, uh, I think they'll, they'll get the five-try bonus point win. And I think they'll have it wrapped up by half-time, to be honest about it. In that sense, the Stormers so this. They'll have a chance of getting getting second in in,
0: in the table. The Stormers didn't mask it. It was a huge disappointment for them against Munster Rugby. Uh, a loss here that really sets them back in terms of their battle for second place with Ulster Rugby. So Ulster having a poor position on that. I just wonder about Benetton Rugby here, what the priorities are going to be in terms of that Challenge Cup semi-final against Toulon as well. Fast approaching. Will the coaching ticket here for Benetton rotate the side around here to keep them fresh for the next weekend? Yeah, I'm looking at it. Stormers. I think they will bounce back. I think there's a revenge mission here. I think there will be, you know, probably a 20, 25-point win here for the Stormers. And again, they're kind of looking then at Ulster Rugby, Edinburgh Rugby at the Kingspan. I suppose Ulster have put themselves in position here to become the second seed in the URC playoffs. Do you feel they'll secure that against Edinburgh Rugby on Friday night? Yeah,
1: they. Kind of, Edinburgh can be kind of a tricky enough team to... Um to kind of analyse and and to even you know to, to play against, but yeah you'd have you'd have to say to look at home they probably will go all out they'll secure it because not only to get the five try bonus point but they'll actually get a kind of a good points differential I think as well I think they'll they'll get somewhere between 50 and 20 points of an ava win as well so I think it's going to be comfortable second half I think for for Ulster
0: I'm kind of thinking that too Edinburgh rugby it's been a massively disappointing URC season. No point in masking it any other way. I mean, they were up there, thereabouts before Christmas, but their form has just hit it off a cliff after the new year. Yeah, I think Ulster Rugby, there's a massive prize at stake here, being a home seed, particularly in the quarter final, also semi final as well. So I think from that perspective here, Liam, I think Ulster Rugby have to embrace this. You know, I think there's a bonus point there for them well before uh, the final quarter. Edinburgh will play Open Rugby as well, and they will give opportunities here for Ulster. I suppose Lions face Zebri. Zebry 0 for 17. Is it going to be 0 for 18 come uh, Saturday afternoon here, Liam?
1: Yeah, sometimes miracles will happen, but
0: not in the case of Zebra rugby. <laughs>
1: Simply not going to happen, so I don't think we even to discuss that much. Yeah, they're going to get a bit of a hammering, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, I think the Lions will be out for a revenge mission as well, given how that Atlanta rugby game finished off. Again, they showed an awful lot of good signs attacking-wise, but again, closing out the game was a big issue for them. Again, I think Lions will finish off their season pretty strongly. I think a 25-30 point win here against Zebri and I suppose from an Italian Rugby Federation perspective, what did they do with Zebri? I think that's a long-term analysis to make them competitive. They have to be competitive here to make the Italian national team competitive. So I think that'll be a fascinating post-mortem there in Zebry uh, come the end of the season. Bulls versus Leinster Rugby. So a rugby conquering Johannesburg, will they conquer the Transvaal? <laughs> the Saturday yeah. Bulls.
1: Look, to be fair, it, it, it's like with Munster as well. It's very hard to put two back, two back-to-back games and performances together like that in, in South Africa. I think that the Bulls will will put up a a big hefty second half, pulling away a scoreline against against Leinster. So it'll be five try bonus point for the Bulls. And and it, it has to be said, too, a good points differential, because I think at the moment there's something like 10 or 10, 11 points, points differential between Munster and the Bulls. So they're, they're, they're the Eamon to hit that as well. And I think they will succeed in that.
0: Because, I mean, you're looking at the table here, Bulls currently sitting on seventh here, kind of looking over the shoulder, particularly with the Sharks, particularly for that eighth spot and I suppose top seven we're probably thinking you need to be kind of in that safety net for Champions Rugby uh, next season. So, I mean, the Bulls, there's an awful lot of motivation here to produce a performance. But I think the Stenster side will deserve massive respect. And, I mean, if they haven't gotten it down in South Africa after Johannesburg game, then I don't know what will. I think for me, Leinster will get a bonus point, but I think Bulls, with the motivation here to get into playoffs, get Champions Rugby next season, I think they win this by maybe 10 to 14, but I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring affair here, uh, definitely in the Loftus first felt. Dragons versus Scarlets. I mean, probably a dead rubber game here in all intents and purposes here. Scarlets starting round 18 on 14th place. Dragons just below them on 15. Uh, who do we fancy here on this one to kind of close out the season? I suppose for Scarlets, a bit of confidence going into a Challenge Cup, maybe?
1: Yeah, uh, but again, is it a case of, of next week? I mean... Teams like, as you pointed out, Benetton and, and now Discaradas have a real chance of getting to the final. You know what I mean? Uh, and getting the European place. And you can you kind of wonder what kind of a team sheet they're going to put out this week. Um, I just I just actually feel that that the Dragons w- will actually get the win. It'll be a tight enough game, but maybe five or six points. Um, Dragons, I, I think. That this week it's mostly going to be home wins for, for the teams in the URC and I'm going to stick with that.
0: I think the Challenge Cup, Champions Cup calendar schedules coming fast approaching. I think you raise a good point there in terms of Scarlet's particularly. Are they going to rest a few marquee players? I think definitely front five they will. That will give Dragons an opportunity but I'm still going to go with Scarlet's. I just haven't been convinced with Dragons in the last few weeks here Liam in the rounds. They've really kind of kind of slipped away. Particularly after a very good start of season, you know, we think of that notable win against Munster rugby and Rodney Parade. You know, there was good signs there, but since Christmas, I think it has been very much one-way traffic here. I think Scarlets just maybe by three points, but again, I think that'll be a very entertaining game to finish off the season. Sharks versus Munster here, uh, Liam. Kind of you were hinting here that you reckon the Sharks will win this one.
1: I think again, it's going to be another six tries to five or seven tries to six, are just the scoreline is going to be happening here. And so Munster, you know, we definitely need that extra point to finish ahead of the Bulls, and I think we certainly will get that. In terms of our team selection, I think we're just going to have to freshen it up this week. I'd like to see Joey at 10. I'd like to see Kilcoyne, Salanoa as props. You know, I'd like to see pretty much even John O'Sullivan into the back row, you know, Jack O'Donoghue, and we can do that. We can pretty much field urgency as well. You know, we can pretty much field almost an entirely um, different
0: uh,
1: 15 from last week and still achieve our goal of getting that point. And I think we'll do that.
0: We'll get the job done in terms of securing A, maybe a bonus point, but B, probably, maybe a loser bonus point. I think there's a little bit of Revenge really from rugby after that Sharks outing a few weeks ago to right a few wrongs. I think the side will definitely freshen up for sure, uh, Liam. After that attritional battle against the Stormers, that big result, there will be changes here. I think I would hope to see like as you said, like of I would say Craig Casey will come back in as well. Be nice to see Keith Earls coming in. As you say, there will be fundamental changes, I think, in that front five. Schneiman's out with concussion, obviously. So maybe F- Finian literally comes back in. Obviously, the likes of Kilcoyne will come in. Maybe Salanoa as well. So I think, from that perspective, I think there will be competitive. Hopefully, the lessons learned against the Sharks can be applied again. I still will tip the Sharks. Sharks currently in eighth place here, 46 points. They will need, with a bonus point win here, to really kind of cement that and hope that results go their way to really kind of you know look for a top seven spot here yeah it'll be an interesting one i think here but i think the sharks probably by seven to ten points again the weather in durban on saturday is sunny 25 degrees so again once you know what they're getting themselves in for <laughs> it's almost identical weather to what happened three weeks ago so i think uh the lessons learned mantra will be definitely Tested out by Munster Rugby uh, next weekend. So then we get to the Welsh Shield. The Again, it's between the Ospreys and Cardiff. What do you feel uh, it's going to lift that Welsh Shield, uh, Liam?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we, I suppose all season we were expecting big things for, from Cardiff. But I think when it comes to it, I think the Ospreys actually will, will win. I think if I remember rightly, last season it came down literally to the final game as well. And the Ospreys had a really excellent victory. Um, and I think that's the way it's going to be again this season for the Ospreys to basically be the Welsh representative in the European Cup next season. They have a lot of the, the stars of the Welsh team playing for for the Ospreys as well. And yeah, I I think that they will finish a season very much in style, four try bonus point, all seeing all dancing uh, performance from from the Ospreys.
0: Yeah, I kind of go along with you there because. Being in the sports current last weekend, Cardiff Rugby, it was a poor performance. So uh, I think from that perspective, there'll be an awful lot of soul searching in that ball club ahead of this key game with the Ospreys. Again, Welsh Shield here is on the, on the line here. Ospreys kind of coming in here uh, with good run of form. You know, they have been competitive in Europe. And I think for Toby Booth, the franchise as well, it'll be key to kind of secure another Welsh Shield here. Now, I know there's going to be an awful lot of comings and goings in that ball club in the next few weeks, but... I think from an Ospreys perspective, this would be a nice end to the season. I would say, um, I would go Ospreys. I would say, yeah, bonus point here uh, against Cardiff. And I suppose finally, uh, Glasgow Rugby against Connacht Rugby. Now, I suppose there's question marks over the Glasgow Warriors team. You know, there's a Challenge Cup semi final against the Scarlets the following weekend. Do you think Liam that the Glasgow Warriors will go all out for this game, or will they start resting a few players, giving Connacht maybe an opportunity? Of um, a rare win in Scottsdale here on Saturday night.
1: Yeah, I, I suppose unlike the, the likes of um, Benetton and, and Scarlets, I, I can't imagine Glasgow having much interest even in winning the Challenge Cup. You know, maybe proceeding get to the final or something in, in the final. But um, I mean, they're they're probably locked in for for fourth place. They should probably be concentrating on that. And um, they've already qualified for Europe as well. So, um, yeah, but I I think they'll feel they're quite a reasonably strong team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for Connacht, again, it's it's more on the line. It's more do or die. They have to get something from this to to guarantee probably, what, seven spot. And even that, probably not guarantee European rugby. But, um, yeah, I mean, Connacht are capable of getting a uh, losing bonus point. There's nothing about that. Um, to make things very interesting for for suppose the next week or two in terms of European qualification and I think Kant will bring it down to the wire they will get the losing bonus point to keep their European rugby qualification alive
0: it'll be an interesting one here uh, Liam I think it all really depends on the Glasgow Warriors mindset going into this game I can see them probably front loading here an awful lot within the first 50 minutes and then withdraw players I still think a Challenge Cup is a European silverware. Glasgow haven't been really blessed with an awful lot of silverware in their franchise. They have been very competitive in recent seasons. So I think from that perspective, it's a glorious opportunity for them to get into that European Cup final weekend if you can beat Scarlett. So I don't think there's anything softer from Connacht. And I think Connacht really, there's a few road trip concerns for me. Particularly the last one against Benetton Rugby was a bit of a bit of a nightmare. So, again, Glasgow will probably come out here looking to basically close this game out as quickly as possible. So I think for Connacht, the first two quarters are going to be absolutely key. Saying that, if Glasgow do have a good front-loaded, strong line-up here, I don't think there's going to be a whole pile between these two teams. I think there is bonus point for both of these teams, yes. I probably would just hedge it just to Glasgow. But again, I think from a Connacht rugby perspective... I would not be surprised if they won, I think, three to five points. I think this is a finale game here where an awful lot of teams will be looking at this result and wondering where in the pecking order they will be. So I don't see this game. I see this game going down to the wire here. uh, I seriously do. and It'll be such an epic finale for the regular season. I'll just hedge it to Glasgow Warriors only just, but I think Connacht Rugby have an awful lot of upside in form here. But they do have to address those kind of lapses in their road form here to really kind of get uh, a good result here and maybe Pippin Munster for that fifth spot. I suppose uh, lean predictions wise, then in terms of uh, the last date, this is for me, audio uh, for future reference. I have Leinster v. the Sharks, Ulster Connacht, Stormers Bulls, Glasgow versus Munster.
1: Yeah, look, yeah, I, I actually maybe just have to say this that that um Glasgow Connacht game is on last, yeah, the half seven kickoff. So, in actual fact, of all the teams, Connacht will know exactly what they have to do to qualify. You'd think that would should give them a bit more of an advantage, but yeah, I'm going to go pretty much the same as yourself. I'm going to go obviously Leinster, <laughs> obviously, Leinster, but then uh, Ulster, um. Then Stormers, Glasgow, Munster fifth, Bull sixth, I go I'll have to go with seventh, probably with with sharks and eighth Connacht. Oh, wow. So then, then we're just, just we're just changing on the last two basically. Yeah. We're we're saying that it's probably gonna be yeah probably Leinster uh, Connacht and then Ulster Sharks. The other the other, the other fixtures being the same.
0: Yeah, I think there's going to be so many permutations during these games that we're probably a little bit foolhardy for even making that prediction call. But uh, no, I think it's going to be a very exciting weekend here, even starting from Friday night, really, between the Ulster and Stormer games as well, just to see who's going to who's going to secure that uh, uh, second spot uh, in the league as well, which is going to be key because you know that second seed will have home field advantage all the way to the semi-finals. So. I think for the Stormers, that'll be a bitter pill to swallow, given that they were so prominent during the year that they could be pipped by Ulster Rugby right at the end. So I think there's so many subplots here. I mean, Leinster up, gone, their top seed. But from two down, I think there's so many subplots here that it's going to be an absolutely fa- fabulous, fabulous end to the URC season. And again, an organizer's dream here, really uh, going into the playoffs in a few weeks, Salim. Uh,
1: yeah, it's been the uh, it's been a brilliant season overall. Honestly, goodness, from the from the from the very first uh, round one fixtures. And again, I I I'm going to say this. I think the R C is is far superior to the, the Premiership now in in England, in every way. Yeah, I mean that bodes well for the Scottish teams. It's brought. I think that team they've come up. Uh, you know, Scotland the general have come up. Um, and and. The, the Italian rugby has been helped by this um, and, and the rising tide lifts all boats as I said and yeah it's going to be just a, a kind of another super Saturday um, fixture list.
0: No absolutely Liam, no really going to be looking forward to it, be edge of the seat stuff from minute one there on Friday right up until Saturday evening when Connacht and Glasgow do battle in Scotston. I suppose, Liam, we'll leave it there. I mean, a lengthy one tonight, but I think quite a few topics that we need to cover. I suppose next week we'll review the Round 18 URC regular season games, see the winners, the losers, maybe get a reflection from you in terms of the teams in the URC, and also focus in on the Challenge Cup and Champions Cup next weekend. There will be also semi-finals. So until then, Liam, have a great weekend and we'll chat next week.
1: Yeah, and enjoy the rugby this weekend,
0: Mark. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. If you liked what you heard in this podcast, why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon, Spotify, YouTube or Twitter platforms. You can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.